Wow, I really felt the joy of the Lord this morning. How about you? Did you hear the song of the Lord this morning? There's nothing like the song of the Lord. It's so good to see all of you here this morning. I want to really try and get in as quickly as I can um, into the Word this morning. Um, And so I may have to be rushing it a little bit. So I need you to listen because I know the Lord has got some important things to say to us this morning. Not because I'm sharing it. Uh, Don't get that. Don't take that on. But as I know that it's the word of the Lord. Okay? So so we're going to share a little bit this morning on the life of Samuel, the prophet in the Old Testament. Um, There are two key phrases um, that have captured my attention. And I'll introduce them to you in a few minutes. And I'm going to assume this morning <laughs> that everyone knows the story of Samuel and how he came to be in the temple of the Lord at a very young age. Um, if you don't know the story, you can read it for yourself, um, starting at the beginning of First Samuel. Now, First Samuel is a transitionary book. The old was coming to an end, And the new was approaching swiftly. It was all a part of God's purpose. Samuel was actually a transitionary prophet, bringing an end to the rule of the judges. The new coming in was that of the nation now being ruled by a monarch, a king. Now, even though God himself wanted to be their king, We all know, we know that story is that they had actually rejected him because they wanted to be like the rest of the nations. They had rejected him from being king, the living God. However, we need to also understand this, that it was also in God's purpose to eventually have a king after his own heart. Uh, Not a king for the people, but a king for himself. Of course, we're talking about David, uh, the shepherd who would become king. So Samuel would be used as a prophet to bring in this huge transition. And it was a huge transition. So as we've said, Samuel as a young child was in the temple attending to the duties of the temple. And one night while sleeping, he was woken up by his name being called. Samuel thought it was Eli calling him. But Eli, even though he had been unfaithful in many areas, understood that it was God calling Samuel and instructed him to say, what did he instruct him to say? What did he instruct? Are you listening? What did God instruct Samuel to, to say to the voice? Sorry? Right. <laughs> so are we listening this morning? Speak, Lord, for your servant hears. So God spoke to Samuel and told him things that were going to happen, which, by the way, all came to pass. Samuel continued to mature in his prophetic calling. In fact, as the story goes on, the statement is made that God saw to it that none of Samuel's words fell to the ground. The wheels are set in motion for this great transition. But here's the first statement I want us to get into this morning. It's found right at the beginning of 1 Samuel, happening the night that Samuel was called by God. Chapter 3, verse 3, simple little phrase. And the oil lamp of God had not yet gone out. And the oil lamp of God had not yet gone out. The first verse of chapter 3 says that the word of the Lord was not flowing 
uh, was, was rare and precious in, in, in those days. And the divine truth was just not coming. There had been a continual falling away from the things of God. But let me just repeat this wonderful phrase. It's wonderful to me anyway. But the oil lamp of God had not yet gone out. So why does this verse say the oil lamp of God? Why was this lamp the lamp of God? I don't have time this morning to go into the history of this. Enough to say that God had instituted that the lamps in the temple were never to go out. One of Samuel's duties as a young boy in the temple was to keep those lamps burning. You see, during the night, the oil would get depleted, so it had to be maintained. There's an allegory of meaning here, and this is what I'd like us to see first today. The oil lamp of God in those days symbolized the presence of God. That's why they were not to be extinguished. The fact that the word here says that God's lamp had not yet gone out is, I believe, encouraging. Because even though God's people had in past times and were even still continuing to alienate themselves from the living God, from, uh, from the priesthood down, by the way, his lamp, the lamp of his presence was still burning. Look, it may have been flickering as the night progressed, but it wasn't out permanently. Let's apply this to us today, not just here, but the church globally. First, let's be encouraged that it's the Lord's utmost desire that the light of his presence continue to burn brightly in his church, his living temple. Jesus said, and how I continually get thrilled with this phrase, that he would build his church and the gates of hell would not, would not, would not prevail against it. Come on, shout hallelujah. Now, just as Samuel the prophet and the times he was brought into significance was a transitionary time, I believe that the church today is also in a transitionary time. I'm seeing with the eyes of the Spirit that the Lord is setting aside a company of people. And look, maybe it's a remnant, I have, really believe it is, who, but they, who have a Samuel mandate to bring in and exhibit the beyond amazing fact that Jesus Christ is King. He is indeed the head of the church and everything, absolutely everything must flow out of the fact that he is king, that he is head of his church. Amen. Come on. I saw what I'm calling, and I'm calling it this, a hideous picture the other day that I'm sorry to say a Christian leader had drawn depicting a supposed vision that he'd had of a well-known political personage wearing a golden crown and holding a gold scepter. Look, my friends, we have to name that for what it is, and it's blasphemy. Why can I say that? Because there's only one that wears a crown and holds the scepter of authority. And that's my Jesus. That's your Jesus. King of kings. No earthly personage has that right. He alone is king. We the church must acknowledge him as king at this time. Not just through our lips because that's so easy to do. But our daily actions must live this out. We have a responsibility to do so and I also feel that the time has come to voice our concerns over such things that are so obviously anti-Christ spirit in nature 
We also have the responsibility, it's a great responsibility, to be vigilant that the oil lamp of his presence remain lit and be the central thing in the church. Jesus Christ and only him and the centrality of who he is. Just like the ten virgins, five wise, five foolish, which is our curriculum on Thursday night Zoom meeting. And I know we're overlapping a bit here, but this is so important. In fact, it's the prophetic sound for right now. While that parable has many layers of truth, I believe it's mainly for the church, and may I say especially for right now. We have to make sure that our lamps are full of oil. How can we testify to others regarding the fullness of the Spirit and become, and become partakers of uh, the, the exquisite presence of the Lord, the Spirit of Jesus, if we ourselves are not priming the lamp of God within us? Our lamps, us individually and collectively as his body, are to be continually fed more oil, more oil, more oil, more oil, more oil. Keeping us shining, indeed, as God's lights in this dark world. Our main focus has to be to make sure that his presence and the oil of his spirit is continually flowing into us and out of us. Why? Because it's only as we know his presence in us individually, it's only as we are in relationship with him that we can shine his light into areas of our society. Am I tending my lamp? Am I making sure it does not go out? Am I speaking out of his well of life in me? Or am I speaking out of that self-life? Is it all about me? Or am I crowning him king? Crowning him king in my life continually. The church is to be endowed with his prophetic spirit, just like Samuel, yet even greater, because now we are living in the days of grace. Hallelujah. Will you believe with me this morning that when the oil of his presence is among us and in us individually, that none, that none of our King Jesus honoring words will fall to the ground also, just like with Samuel. We will know what, is to, what it is to have anointed tongues. In fact, our mouths can be like mighty swords not to do damage God forbid but to bring freedom to the captives bring his joy bring his comfort and bring his peace hallelujah can we dare to believe in all humility that as a company of people in fact the church who is in relationship with a king can be those who are agents of change those who will bring a transitionary message to men who are actually desperate and have come to the end of themselves you see i believe we can and we must and we will have and we will in the days that are ahead because there will be an accelerated pace of jesus coming into his church as king Comparing our days to the days in Judges is quite believable, would you agree? Because to a great extent, every man is doing what is right in their own eyes. Yes, friends, even in the church. Listen to me carefully now. Anything that is exempt of Jesus being glorified or Jesus as the only hope for the world and Jesus as the only one who brings freedom is a pseudo-gospel. No new age philosophy, no crusading tactic brings freedom. There is nothing that the enemy likes better than seeing someone other than Jesus being lifted up. And he especially likes it, that's the enemy, when Christians get duped into using these measures also. Did you hear what the Lord said this morning? She didn't have a mic, but she said, the church is distracted. That's what the Lord said this morning already. 
And our job, our mandate is to keep our eyes where and on whom? Jesus, King of glory. Deception and lies are rampant in society. The enemy who is the author of lies has taken hold of many, even in the church, and deception has become rooted. Listen, we are all susceptible to being deceived. Unless, unless, unless we are holding fast to our head. Jesus Christ, King of heaven, King of earth. That's why we are operating in his delegated authority. He is our only safety. Be careful what you click like to on social media. Don't give it any credence. If we are to be transitionary people, bringing change, being those of a prophetic spirit, then his word, his truth must be on our lips at all times. The truth has to be rooted in the innermost parts of our heart. That way no strange fire can start to burn in our lives. Going on. If you study in the book of Judges, you will see that God appointed many, many men and one woman, actually, to judge Israel. They were, if you like, superheroes. Gideon, Samson, Deborah, just as an example. They were raised up at that time to do supernatural things that made them stick out, if you like, as God's instruments so that people might repent from serving idols and come back to serving the true God. However, now Samuel was transitioning Israel into a nation not swayed by a bunch of superheroes doing supernatural things and the rest just looking on and seeing the wonders. Because see, Israel had become a nation of spectators. Now, under Samuel's prophetic mandate, they would become a nation under a king. It was all about being a kingdom. They would have appropriate work to do as a people to fulfill the kingdom mandate under a king. Everyone in Israel had work to do now for the king in one way or the other. Spectatorship was over. Now everyone would have a mandate to make the kingdom prosper. This was a pattern of what was to come. Jesus, king of glory, coming to earth, putting on humanity, taking our sin upon himself so that we could be reconciled back to the Father. Making us, listen to this, making us the redeemed, a kingdom of kings and priests unto our God. Hallelujah. Listen, the ultimate forever superhero is Jesus. He is from everlasting to everlasting. You know, one of my little granddaughters said this to me the other night, just out of the blue, and I knew I had already typed this into my notes, so I was pretty astounded. The little prophetess said this, Jesus is the greatest superhero. Out of the blue. Yes, yes, yes. I want to remind you of the last prophetic word we had in 2021, just before Christmas. It came through Catherine, who's, they're not feeling a little... They're not feeling up to scratch this morning. That's why they, they're not here, but they're listening. It was a, revel, a revelatory word, a transitionary word for us right now. The prophetic word began with this. You are in the wind of change. I am about to release a great power in this house, for I am releasing a kingly anointing. Listen. Listen, everyone, I know this is the word of the Lord to us. Indeed, this is what we are preparing for. The entrance of the king who will give to us of his kingly anointing. 
I believe we are yet to see this come into fruition, but it will happen when we make room for him to come. And that is the important part, you know, of all of this. Look, the church is not a place for being spectators, looking to the super, superheroes to do the kingdom stuff. It's not a place for celebrity status. Let me say this, that a lot of superheroes have risen along the years in the global church, and yes, God has used them. But ladies and gentlemen, I believe this has come to an end, and the transition is being made made into the kingly anointing where his true body will be one and will work together as one no one superhero being seen but only Jesus king of glory being displayed by a living glorious church orchestrating his purpose under his kingly anointing let me quote the prophet Micah in chapter 2 because I believe it's also so applicable to us today his church and this says this the breaker the Messiah who opens the way shall go up before them them, liberating them. They will break out, pass through the gate and go out. So their king goes before them, the Lord at their head. Oh my goodness. Hallelujah. Are you getting the picture this morning? Let's determine to keep the oil lamp of God trimmed. As I said earlier, I'm encouraged when I read this account because the oil lamp the lamp of God was still burning. It had not gone out. And I believe earnestly that it's still burning today because he still has a people who will keep it burning, who will trim the lamp, who will be discerningly wise in these days, who will have divine judgment, understanding the day we live in and what to do in this day, getting ready for the return of the bridegroom, our king, preparing his way, lamps being continually primed. He is to come into his church as king first. This will precede his second coming. So let's keep getting ready, people, for his entrance into the church in an even yet new way that we haven't experienced before. How we need him to come in as king. Oh, let's go on to the second phrase today that's always captured my, and caught my attention. It actually fits in with our first statement. It's found in 1 Samuel chapter 16, verse 1. I'll read it. The Lord said to Samuel, how long will you grieve for Saul? When I have rejected him as king over Israel, fill your horn with oil and go. I will send you to Jesse the Bethlehemite, for I have chosen a king for myself among his sons. And this is the phrase I want to concentrate on. God is saying very clearly here to Samuel, how long will you grieve? Samuel had known his calling. He had known what the Lord's purpose was. See, he had loved King Saul. He looked the part and at the beginning was a humble man. Yet circumstances occurred that showed that he wasn't wholeheartedly following the ways of God. He lacked good judgment. There was a rebellion that had fostered in him. One of the main things was that he didn't fully carry out God's order concerning the Amalekites. And you can read that story for yourself. What King Saul had done, God had taken seriously. The kingdom was taken away from him. Samuel, however, grieved when God told him that he had rejected Saul. In fact, Samuel called out to the Lord all night. Things had not gone as planned. What was happening? Everything was falling apart. There was an obvious disheartening going on in Samuel. And for a time, it seems that all he could do was grieve. God, it seems, has, had to intervene strongly and began to speak to Saul, to Samuel, I'm sorry, about his state of mind because it's time to go forward. 
this time, it's not going to fail because in the fullness of God's time, the choice has been made. This time, it is a king for God himself. So Samuel has to get with the program. It's time for Samuel to stop grieving and to fill his horn with anointing oil. I'm sure you would all agree with me today, there have been times in all of our lives where grief has taken over. Grief over personal things, family issues, etc. And of course, grief that happens when the death of a loved one occurs, that, that grief has to be walked through and experienced and not rushed. However, I want to kind of pinpoint the other kind of grief this morning. There are other reasons for grief which can leave its mark on a person. There can be grief concerning hopes and dreams that have become devastated, sometimes over personal choices, other times things that have been perpetuated against an individual. Sometimes grief is attached to hopes and dreams of God's call and purpose in our lives. Where do we fit in? Has God's purpose in my life been rejected? It could be that we have believed for things which we have never seen materialize. And the word of God says that hope deferred can make the heart sick, sick with grief. Let me begin by saying this. God is not bound by our time clock. He has his own fullness of time. He operates outside of our timeline. The Lord is all about fullness. He is all and in all. And here's the bottom line. He wants to be all and in all in me, in you, in us. And the fact is that even though we, we can become impatient and even grief can set in, let's remember this, that his fullness is being outworked not just for now, but for eternity. The Apostle Paul writes to the Galatians and in in says this, in the fullness of time, God sent his son, God the Father sent his begotten, precious son Jesus to earth as a baby to redeem the world back to himself. In the fullness of time. The problems were surely there before he sent his son. In fact, historically murderous, evil times. Yet, Jesus was sent by his father to earth in the fullness of time. See, God is never moved and never reacts by the panic or impatience of man. I want us all to see with the eyes of the Holy Spirit this morning uh, that we have to be delivered from grief that has held us back, grief that has demoralized us, and we need to allow the Holy Spirit to bring us into his rest. We are to learn to abide in him who alone knows his fullness of time concerning us. Also, listen, let's face it, forgive me for being somewhat bold today, some of our aspirations in past days could be just plain wrong. Have you ever thought of that? In fact, not what the Lord has for us. It's a personal dream and maybe even a little illusionary. Sorry. Not necessarily a God-given thing. And in this day, we have to recognize that fact and come and lay it down at the foot of the cross so that grief can be let go of and that we can go forward in him. The choosing of David, the shepherd boy, was in his fullness of time. There was a going forward that had to happen. Samuel, even though a mighty prophet, was unaware of what God had in store. Why do you think? Because he had been too full of grief to see and hear what God was saying. It's time to totally align ourselves with King Jesus so we can be those who are able to receive his kingly anointing. Ready to put our own dreams aside sometimes because here's the thing, our dreams have to align with his, with his dream for us and for his church. Yes, he has a dream for his church. You know, someone wrote a book years ago now entitled God's Dream Team. And I believe this dream team is his church. 
and his church is to be collectively baptized with his kingly anointing so that she can go in with the bridegroom. I feel like he's saying to us today, when will you stop grieving? Fill your flask or fill yourself with the oil of God. Allow the Holy Spirit to govern and enfold everything you are and everything you desire and allow him to work everything out in his fullness of time. Now, look, it's a fact that as prayer warriors and prophetic people, many of us here in this place have been calling out for many years in our weekly prayer time for revival. Revival that will change the map. (laughs) The greatest tsunami of all time. We will continue to pray for that. But as we have already said, it's all about his moving in his fullness of time. In the meantime, we prepare his way to come into his church. So one of the ways we prepare that way is to quit grieving over things that don't seem to be happening the way we think they should be happening, or even as fast as they should be happening. You know, we can be prone to think that, for example, even our gatherings these days are more restricted because of this plague. However, let me absolutely assure you today that whether you feel his presence or not, he is here. He is not restricted in any way. How do I know that he's here? Well, the word tells me there were two or three are gathered in my name. I am in the midst. He is here right now in this room with us. He's walking among us even now at this moment. And let's please take that in for a moment. Lord, even now at this moment, we are in awe of your presence and of your kingly majesty. He's here right now. We want to bow before him. See, COVID has brought its own grief. And you know what? As far as our gatherings are concerned, we need to let go of that grief and allow the king to reveal himself to us as he pleases. Not necessarily the way we think he should or the way he has revealed himself in past days. Friends, whether we feel it or not, this is a new day. And as Pastor Joel said last week, things will be different. Hallelujah. I'm glad about that. The bridegroom, the king, comes at the most unexpected of times. We don't even know what that, when, what, when that will be or however it will be in his fullness of time. Our only mandate is to keep our flask, that's ourselves, filled with oil and be ready for his coming in. Also, I feel it's essential to understand a little bit of what we mean regarding revival and his coming into his church in his manifest presence. The question was asked in our last season Zoom Bible study before we ended for Christmas regarding revival. And the question was, why isn't revival ever sustained? Why does it flicker out after a short time? And there are many reasons. People have even written books about it. (laughs) However, I felt the Lord said something to Bill Thompson that night and it it stayed with me. It's still with me right now. And he said this, and I'm adding a little bit to it, Bill, if you don't mind, as I've been meditating on it lately. Uh, He said this, revival is like a rocket. For the rocket to take off, there has to be an awful lot of power stored in that rocket for it to leave the ground. When it does, it's an amazing sight. Everyone is in awe of that sight and that sound. It's an incredible thing. However, here's the thing. At an appointed time, In the fullness of time, the rocket breaks away from the rest of the spaceship and it begins to orbit. And by the way, when that begins, there's no sound. Everything becomes quiet. 
However, in this next stage, many other things begin to happen. The astronauts who are propelled off the face of the Earth because of the great power stored up begin to do the work that they've been assigned to do, that they've been trained to do for a long, long time. Yes, now there's work to be done. Each astronaut has an individual work to do. There are scientific experiments that they are to do and many other things. This is the time when the result of that rocket takeoff begins to materialize. See, they're not on the spaceship just for the joyride. Yeah, I know lately some people have gone up just for the experience, but you know what I'm saying, right? There is work to be done. This is a good picture of revival. Unfortunately, so many have enjoyed the power rocket stage. When revival comes, every, everyone is in awe. Oh, that we could stay in this wonderful place. We just love the rocket experience. The sounds, the fame of revival breaking, it's all so incredible. And, and everyone can hear it. And everyone wants to experience it. And will travel many miles to be a part of it. I've done that too. But then it subsides and people start to question, why didn't it stay longer? Oh, I just love I love that experience. I love that excitement. Now it's back to humdrum Christianity. Here's a clue. Grief has entered. But I believe the Lord is saying today, quit grieving. Fill your flask. Fill yourself with oil. There will be a mighty outpouring which will be beyond wonderful. But there will also be a second stage which will require a lot of work that has to be done. That's kingdom work. Glorious work. Glorious because there will be people added to the church in unimaginable numbers. We will see people being saved, healed and delivered. Friends, this has to be accomplished by those who have received with humility, his kingly anointing, and have quit grieving. Would you stop talking about how things are not as they used to be? Because that's just grief talking, and the enemy loves it. Listen, may they not be the same as they used to be, because the king has an end time anointing, which we haven't even begun to imagine yet. And the glory of the latter will be what? Greater than the former. We cannot stay in the rocket taking off exciting stage forever because that rocket will fizzle out because it's meant to. So that the next stage can happen. It's still revival, however. Revival has to go forward. It's not just about us and the excitement of the moment, but it's about us walking in his kingly anointing and doing the stuff that he, has, he the king, has called us to do. Oh. I pray we're all getting this today because it's what God is saying, friends, and we had better listen because there are exciting days coming where we will all be doing the work of the Lord. No more spectatorship, no more celebrities, but his united as one bride working under the rulership of the king and his kingdom, the glory and majesty being his alone, fullness of time. In closing, is it possible we are being challenged today by the Holy Spirit to stop grieving in whatever form this is hanging on to us. Whether it's a personal grief, there's freedom for you today. Healing can take place right now as you recognize it for what it is. Maybe you have a grief concerning his kingdom and his church. Maybe he has told you things that you've kept hidden and, and for many years it has not come to pass and you're tired of waiting. You feel let down. You're in that hope deferred state. Let me by his spirit encourage you right now. Listen, he is always faithful concerning his word. What he has said will come to pass. But right now it's time to fill our horns with anointing oil because there's a kingly anointing to take place. 
Can we take hold of this revelation today? I'm sensing it's a message for this year. It's time to prepare the way of the Lord. I believe every one of us here this morning and those who are tuning in on live stream are to ask today, right now, for his kingly anointing. It comes by asking and then it becomes a revelation to us all individually. It, be, it begins by acknowledging him as king, as head of his church. We may have given it mental assent to, in the past, but today I believe we have to really mean it and follow through with it because he is doing a new thing. I can't tell you what this will look like. I, I honestly don't think any one of us has a clue. But one thing I do know, it will be glorious. Because the next move of God, and I believe I can prophesy this to you, will be earmarked, earmarked by the fact that Jesus, King of glory, will have truly moved into his church. Not for a visit or visitation, but to take up his habitation. He will take up his kingly authority as head of the church, and he will be the only one who will be doing the decreeing and the ruling and wonder of wonders. He has called us to partner with him. Hallelujah. Get excited. Again, I say this hasn't happened yet. We still need to receive this. However, we have to be in sync with him, our king, following him wherever he goes, enjoying a deep relationship, asking earnestly a day, on a daily basis. I've started asking on a daily basis. I need you, I need you to come in as king truly as king in my life because and I want to come under your kingly anointing let's be encouraged today the oil lamp of God is still burning let's continue to prepare and make his way glorious our only prayer being come Lord Jesus come and take a rightful place in your church as king of glory and as the supreme head of your church will you stand with me I'm going to pray and we're just going to wait on the Lord for a few minutes and ask the praise team to come forward I'm going to pray just open your hearts to receive this right now Lord Jesus King of glory we believe you are bringing us into a time of great anticipation the anticipation is about you and your coming into your church as king we also know by prophetic revelation that you are going to come to your church in a mighty revival, which will indeed be earmarked as never before by your majesty and glory. Your church will be recognized by the accompaniment of your kingly anointing, flowing through a people of humility whose only desire is to continually announce the rulership of King Jesus. We don't want to be mere spectators. We want to partner with you, our king, in making your name glorious on the earth. We want to put away any grief that has come upon us in these past days. The grief that has bound us up and has kept us from progressing into the fullness of Christ. So we declare to grief today, go. You are not welcome in us individually, neither are you welcome in this fellowship known as Elam. May grief fall down now as broken chains around our feet, just as Peter sat in prison bound by chains and you caused them to drop off. Even so, the angel had to tell him he was free. It was then he came into a right mind. He walked through open doors and proceeded to preach the good news, declaring the greatness of God. We are believing today that just like Peter, you are going to bring us into a new rightness of mind. 
it will be a fresh revelation of who you really are. We believe that this will direct our paths into the even greater things. We believe today that scales will drop off our eyes. Scales we didn't even know were there. Greater discernment will begin to flow. The word of knowledge will be constantly present as we speak. We'll all have to do with your kingship rule in us. We wait for our bridegroom. We purpose to be alert. May our lamps be trimmed and forever burning brightly so that we may truly welcome you and go in with you. Be it unto us, O Lord, according to your word. Amen and amen. The King is coming. The King is coming. Do you hear the shout? The King is coming. The King is coming to occupy the house of his bride. I will not be locked out even though the house is locked out, locked up because of the darkness, I will not be locked out. The King is coming. Lift up your heads, O ye gates, and be ye lifted up your everlasting doors, and the King of glory, the King of glory shall come in. My kingdom is not of this world, but it is of glory. And I come in with the anointing of that kingship. For I was anointed to be the king of kings. I alone bear the name that is above all other names. And I'm coming with my anointing. You shall be anointed with my anointing. My anointing is the oil that is able to penetrate the darkness and be able to be sent out with a commission from glory. I would have you have a respect for my anointing. For there are some that uh, do not recognize that there is even a need for it. And so their lamps are empty. Then there are those who recognize there is a need, but there is a contest of authoritarianism right now that is rampant in the world and also in the church. But I will establish my authority, and that means there must be a respect for the anointing. Those whom I anoint and commission must be respected within the body before they can be respected outside the body. Do not be confused by meekness because it is my mantle that is on those whom I anoint. Meekness is not the absence of strength. It is the openness to my strength. Do not be confused that that anointing does not push itself, but rather recognize my anointing and respect it because it is my anointing. This is a day when things are being separated where there's going to be a distinction between that authority which comes from earth and that authority which comes from heaven. For you to receive the authority of heaven, you must, like me, humble yourself and become obedient, become respectful of the anointing that you're about to receive. Open up your hearts, open up your gates, lift up your heads, do not look down, but look up, for I am coming. And I'm coming to ones who are ready to respect my position as king. <laughs> 